before that I, I really got impressed on me and while I was 16 days on my back in the hospital was to quit being so puckered up and sourpussed about life. <clears throat> Start being grateful. Like that child who's being grateful. Somebody shut those doors or we're going to think they're killing them back there. We got it. Gratitude will take you farther than you've ever thought it would take you. Showing kindness is an act of gratitude. Amen? I ran across online a a calendar called the Kindness Advent Calendar. We're in the Advent season. Now, you've got to catch up. You're about three days behind. But I made 30 of these calendars. And they're sitting on the table by my door. And what it does is it picks every day up to Christmas and gives you something kind to do. Kind to do. For instance... On the first, I ask you to share this kindness event calendar to encourage others to practice kindness this month. So that meant grab it and take it and give it to somebody. Here's, I like this one on the second. You see, you can catch these up real fast. Surprise a friend with their favorite candy bar. It says chocolate bar, but I'll put candy in there just to give it some variety. Buy a few extra items during your supermarket shopping, and donate them to a local food bank. Yeah. Just buy two more cans of corn. I'm not actually buy a case, just two more cans. That could go a long way. So there it is. If you're interested in that, grab it. If they run out, I'll make more. Won't this be fun? We should do this. Because the gratitude that flows out of us will be life-changing. Not only for you, but for those who receive your gifts of gratitude. If you have your Bibles, hold them up. What electronic devices I've got. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Change your lives. Heal broken hearts. And save man from uh, from sin. I think that's uh, had a different phrase, but that's okay. Ideas there. Here's our prayer, Lord Jesus, today. Speak to me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Look to your neighbor and say, It's almost Christmas. We're going to be at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. So open your Bibles there. Get ready to uh, look at some passages there. One of the occupational hazards of being a pastor is that every seven days, I have to come up with a sermon. Like it or not. It's got to come. And you've endured a lot of those. Some seven-day cycles, I do pretty good. Some seven-day cycles, I don't do so good. And the reason that sometimes they don't come out so good is because of what I call missing Christmas. Say what? During July, you don't miss Christmas. 
Oh, yeah, I do. Because, see, in the process of missing Christmas is what causes me to not be prepared some Sundays. It's called, it's a word called distraction. Any of you? Any of you face that one? You face it driving your car. You're looking at your phone. Never look at your phone in the car while you're driving. Put the phone down. It can't be that life-threatening. Because normally it's your mom. Let it go. She's going to call back 19 times because you didn't answer. So here's how you do it. Okay, Mom, I'm driving. You want me to die in an automobile accident trying to respond to your call? That should take care of it. Is there a tweet, snap, chat, whatever that's that important? No, there's not. There's not. Don't get distracted. Raising kids, do you get distracted? That's why they have to yell back there in the back. Because we've got a bunch of kids that don't necessarily know how it works in church and how to make it all flow. Read a great article that I'm going to have a copies of it for you next week. Great article. On children on parents, please teach your children obedience. Amen. Children need obedience. Parents have abdicated it to anybody but them. You might say, Have you started preaching yet? Oh yeah, I have. Remember, I haven't been just doing this for a long time, so I've got to make up. Parents, please teach your kids obedience. Five, six, seven reasons John Piper gives you to do that. It's an awesome article. Christmas comes every December 25th. Amen? Oh, but he wasn't born in the wintertime. Whatever, strain every night you want. It's on the calendar. We're going with it. Works good for us. Gives me two holidays each year I can promote Easter and Christmas, so get over it, okay? Second to Easter is Christmas. For time to invitation to church, time to have people change their hearts, time to have people be warm in their in their walk with God, to have their hearts soften just a momentary bit, it's a Christmas time. And it comes whether we're ready or not, amen. I did a research on going forward how many future years. We're going to see Christmas on, or Sunday on Christmas Day. It's going to happen in 2022, 2033, 2039, 2044, and 2050, and on and ongoing. But I thought I'd stop right there. Because if you're going to plan past 2050, if you're my age, don't. If Brother Ralph is still here by 2050, he's in trouble. But we're all in trouble because we'll be right with him. Amen. Isn't it great to see Brother Ralph when he can be? Amen. So, those of you that are advanced planners, those of you that are A type personalities, be sure and get your 2050 calendar out and get it on the circle of Sunday the 25th. 
But if we're honest with ourselves, we really don't have time for Christmas. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. If you're a real tree person, you've got to go find one. You've got to go out and cut down somebody's out of their yard or go to the Christmas tree lot. Don't see those much anymore, do you? Or you go up to old Wassel Tree Farm and cut it down up there, which is kind of fun, family gathering, family outing, all this stuff. And you get to bring that dry thing home and put that fire hazard in your home. I mean, you know, what, what do you do? But it's still something special about it. You got it. I, I got it. Then you got to get gifts, and you got to have lists. You got to have lists of gifts, and then you got to have kids make lists of gifts, and then, oh, mercy. I was looking at some of the gifts over here on the wall. Well, some of those I want. Somebody didn't instruct our young people on the value of gratitude for any gift you receive. We need to stop and maybe consider the gift I'm going to re- I'm going to ask for needs to be a humble gift. Be humble about it. You know, I'm sorry, you're not going to get a new car. I'm sorry, you're probably not going to get a tablet or an Xbox. No, I'm sorry, you're just not going to. But if I don't instruct you about humbleness and gratefulness, then sure, you're just going to do what you believe you want and need, right? Yeah. So Christmas is exhausting. He's inexpensive. You know how much was spent on Cyber Monday? It's online shopping. 3.3 billion with a B. Oh, but we're in a financial crisis. Well, yeah, we are. People are holding back their money. It's the only what the future holds. But we had an election. How do you feel today? Different. There's a difference. Half the country believes that we're going to hell in a handbasket, which the other half felt that way for eight years. True. Now this half feels it. Except we didn't go looking for safe places to cry. I didn't tear up anything. Interesting. Interesting response, isn't it? But here's what I do know about Christmas. So let me ask questions. Do we have do we have time for Christmas? Time is a currency. It's the new currency. Society values time almost as much as money. True? Because people can be frivolous with money. I mean you're gonna look and say you don't have the money to buy it, but what are you gonna do? Ah we'll we'll just charge it. Ah we'll just charge it. That's good. I just got to have that, or or they just have to have that. Do they really? Do they really need that one? I don't know. I don't know. Ben Franklin said, Dost thou love life? Then do not squander time, for that's the stuff life is made of. Time is special, isn't it? Time is precious. And we're so busy rushing and rushing and rushing and rushing, we're missing the importance of what time can give us. And I saw something yesterday in the OU-OSU Bedlam game that left a mark on me 
in a positive way. But Ron G., is that how you say his name? P. Ryan? Last name is P. Ryan. Game is well in hand. 38-20. Time's running out on the clock. Oklahoma's fixing to score again. Somebody forgot to do the Pistol Pete thing. <laughs> Pistol Pete went, okay. Now we'll take what I need to tell you more. She'd be jumping, hooting off. But P. Ryan got to the one-yard line. Did any of you see the game? He got to the one-yard line and kneeled down. Game was over. You know why he did that? Out of respect for a defense that pounded him all day long. I believe that with all my heart. That's why I love the game of football. Because it can teach you so much about life. Did he have to stop? No. Did he need another touchdown in his list of touchdowns for the year? Why not? No. Is he going to be a professional football player? I have no doubt. But he stopped on the one-yard line and he knelt down and walked back to the huddle. Game's over. I like that. I like that. Don't you? That shows me something about that man's heart and about the parents who raised that young man more than anything. And we need more young people like that today. We need more parents investing in their children that way. But it takes time. We only have 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, no more nor less. But isn't it interesting that time is made for consumerism at Christmas? So when you look at your outline I've got for you, I want, I want to give you five people around the birth that, that were important. So what if Joseph... There's your first fill in. What is Joseph? What if Joseph said, I don't care what Caesar Augustus ordered. I don't have time to go to Bethlehem to pay my taxes. I don't have time to go to Bethlehem to pay my taxes. I've got some bookcases to fill and to build. But what if he said that? What if Mary said, I'm too young to have a child. It will demand too much of my time. And furthermore, I'm not married. In fact, I'm going to have an abortion. Boy, aren't we glad that abortion wasn't available in this day and age? That she had, it's her choice. I'll contend with you one thing. When a girl becomes pregnant, a choice was already made. A choice was already made. Was her body. Not anymore. She's sharing it. Do you know how many couples who can't have children would just be beyond themselves to have a baby? We've got them in this church. Cindy works for one. Great boss and his wife. Tremendous people. But for whatever reason, can't physically have a baby. Man, they've been through all the hoops and jumps to try to get there. Spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. What if God said, send my son to earth? Really? you got to be kidding me. I don't have time for that. I mean, those are God. Those people don't even like me. 
It's a stinking dirty planet down there. I'm not going to send anybody. I'm not send my son down there. But Joseph didn't make that statement. Neither did Mary or God. I've got a quote for you on the on the screen. Christmas is about a God who made time and came at the right time. Read it with me. Christmas is about a God who and came at the Boy, isn't that true? Isn't that true? In Luke 2 and verse 6, there in our text, while they were there, the time came, it says, for the baby to be born. Jump over to Galatians 4, 4. It says, when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman. These verses are tied together and they refer to the birth of Jesus. The baby refers to, to Mary's baby, Jesus, a very human baby from a very human mother. His son refers to God's son, a very divine baby from a very divine father. But in these two verses, the whole theology of incarnation is unveiled. The baby is, the baby is of Mary, and God's only son was totally human, yet totally divine. He's the only one ever born this way. But what if she had said, It's my choice. It's my body. Don't you tell me what to do. Well, we wouldn't have a Savior. We would not have a Savior. Let that sink in a minute. Second question, God made time for us, will we make time for Him? Well, the reference in time in both of these verses, time came and when the time had fully come, God made the time. God made the time, and at the right time in history, Jesus came. God didn't say, I don't have time. He didn't say, I don't have time. He said, I'll make the time. God's Son was born on that first Christmas morning, and it was for all of us. Yes. Amen. God made the time and sent His Son at just the right time because He loved us. He loved you. He loved me. He loved us. Wow. Wow! Let that one sink in. Do you even have enough time to read a story to your kiddo at night? Well, preacher, you got bills to pay and things to go. You need to go back and catch old Cat Stevens' song, Cat in the Cradle. We need to consider that God found the time, seized the time, and then acted on the time. How about you? What are you doing? Oh, man, I, I, I'm halfway through my list, preacher. You just have no idea. <laughs> Third and last question. Will we make time for Jesus? See, he came to the world that he created to people that had long awaited his arrival, but they didn't have time for him. So 
in my remaining time here, very quickly, I want to give you, I want to show you four more people how they impacted this birth process. While his name's not mentioned in the Bible, there is the innkeeper. There's the innkeeper. He was confronted by a man and his pregnant wife. He turned him away, said, I don't have any room here. He didn't really have time for the Savior because he was absolutely too busy. You can imagine this innkeeper. It was a census. Small town, crowded. His was the only place for lodging. And they were maxed. He had rooms to clean, food to serve, decorations to put up, towels to wash, people to care for. I, I don't believe the innkeeper was an evil guy. I just don't. I just don't believe he was a bad guy. I just believe he was unsympathetic. Too busy, too distracted to see what he was seeing in front of him. Reminds me of people who become so consumed with the commotion of Christmas that they miss the Christ of Christmas all the time. It's not the gifts. It's not even the kids. I saw somebody yesterday on Facebook, and I almost responded. They said, it's all about the kids. It is not! They're all bratty and snot-nosed and want everything in the world. It's about the Jesus who came as the gift of God to save us. That's what Christmas is about. Don't forget it. Don't rifle through nine of your presents or one of your presents until you spent time thanking God for Jesus who came to save your soul. They get addicted to the activity. They get the mall, 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 the mall. Best Buy, Best Buy, Best Buy, Best Buy, Best Buy, Best Buy, Best Buy. Target, don't go to Target, please. Walmart, 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 Walmart. I mean, you go to Target, you never know who you're going to the bathroom with. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. No. Why do they need them? They're going to hell in a handbasket anyway, for God love them. Clutter of shopping gets in the way. Parties, concerts, dinners, preoccupied. I have a podiatrist. Never seen a podiatrist. Couldn't pronounce it until I got out of the hospital. And then they give me a doctor with the name Mogulnecki. Oh, man, that's great. Can't she be Smith? So I get there. I'm her 4.30 appointment last Thursday. In other words, I'm the last one. First thing she says, she comes in and goes, Oh, man, it's so good to see you. I said, Well, great. She goes, She just takes a look at my foot, does all this stuff. She goes, Wow. She said, Well, I've got a Christmas thing that I hope I can get to. What did she just tell me? I don't really have time for you. I'm glad you're here paying me money, but I don't have time for you. I said, well, hey, you've got me scheduled till the end of February to see you every week. I'll skip five or five or six of them if you'd like. I said, I didn't mean to pay for both of your house payments. I guess that caught her because she stopped and she goes, so, so really, how are you doing? I thought, okay, I brought her back down to earth a minute. And she tended to, to my foot and she tended to my leg and she's, Okay. And then I told her, I said, hey, I hope you make it to your party. See, we get too busy, don't we? I don't want a doctor who comes in and goes, 
Yeah, you look good. Okay, see you. No, I want a guy to come and sit down. Talk to me. Visit with me. I'm paying you a lot of money to visit with me. I learned that 16 days in the hospital. A specialist walks in and he goes, yep, still infected, walks out. Don't tell how much that cost me. Not there more than five minutes, except the infectious guy. I didn't like him very much because he'd come in and grab my leg. Don't grab this leg that's swelled up four times the size and is red and hurts like a dog. Don't grab it and go, does it hurt? No, not at all. One day he grabbed it. I literally pulled myself up the side of the bed with tears in my eyes. And I thought my little five-foot wife was going to club him. She told, she told me to tell the doctor the next morning, do not let that man come back in our room. So the next day, word must have got to him because the next day he came in, his demeanor had changed, and his hands were behind his back, and, <laughs> and he, stopped, he stopped 10 feet from my bed. He goes, goes how are we doing today? <laughs> but don't touch my leg. Second person. To contrast with the innkeepers, another man, his name is Herod, the king of the Jews. Now, he's very old, very sick, nearly dead. He was a dying man in, on an unstable throne. And like all tyrants, he held tightly to the reins of power, brutally removed anyone who got in his way. Over the years, he killed his brother-in-law, his mother-in-law, even killed his own wife. So the notion of a baby-born king of the Jews, that became a direct threat to his throne. No wonder he tried to kill Jesus. In his eyes, he had no choice. It was kill or be killed. He didn't have time for another rival. He was ready to kill anyone who was a threat, even a tiny, helpless baby. Herod is not unlike men and women today who won't allow anything to interfere with their career, position in life, ambition, plans, or their lifestyle. They won't let someone else be king of their lives. They see Jesus as a threat, so they don't make time for him. I have another quote on the, on the screen that uh, Sam's going to go to the next slide. Allegiance to someone else other than themselves is what? I'm not going to have allegiance to anybody. I had a very powerful man here in Jinx that I met one time. Very influential man tried to convince me that baptism could be both by sprinkling and immersion. And I said, well, that's not what the Bible teaches. And so we discussed and discussed and discussed. And then finally he said, well, obviously, I'm not going to persuade you in this. I said, well, brother, I'm not the one you need to persuade. This is God's word, and I would be in error to tell you that it was okay. But he left the church. He no longer attended and that's fine. It's his choice. But I have to stand before God one day, and God would ask me, what did I tell him? I can now say, God, you know what I told him because you were there. Now, he let me baptize by immersion his daughter. How about that? Well, that's her decision. I said, ah, very good. But see, a whole group of people didn't have time for Jesus. Go back, Sam, to that list. And if there was a group of people who should have been aware of the timing of Jesus' arrival, it should have been the chief priests and the scribes, these religious leaders. There's the fill-in for you. The religious leaders of Israel. I mean, they had studied the prophecies. 
of the coming Messiah. They were encouraged to read the signs of the times for, the, for his arrival. They preached of a deliverer, an anointed one, that, that would come to eradicate the oppressors from their country. These theological experts, these guardians of spiritual truth, yet they never bothered to travel the five miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to find out for themselves if the Messiah had indeed been born. Surely they saw the star. They heard the news about this baby being born in Bethlehem. Why did they not make the time for Jesus? Indifference. They had heard the message so long, waited so long, they didn't care anymore. He was never going to come anyway. Not in my lifetime. You need to listen to this message. I don't want to hear that message. It's contrary to my message. And my message is more important than your message. Isn't that where we are today? I can walk into certain churches. I could walk into an acapella church of Christ and tell them that having an organ is okay and they'd flog me on the way out the door. First of all, I've got to be able to walk in. Because they meet you at the door. They, they check your credentials at the door. I don't know how they do it, but you know what I'm saying. We're staunch. We've got the right answer. What if I were to walk into a mosque? Oh, really? They're going to let me walk into a mosque? Huh. Probably not. What if I walked into a Catholic church? I said, you people are all wrong. This clown up here, he no longer exists. Jesus took his place. But he was here. He didn't matter. Now you have direct access to the blood of Christ to get to, get to, get to God through the cross. What have I just done? Well, those poor Catholic folks are going to flog me to do it. Amen? Why don't we sit down and talk about the God that we all know? Why don't we sit down and talk about the Jesus that died on the cross for my sins? Every, every Catholic I've ever talked to believes that. Every Pentecostal I've talked to, every Baptist I've talked to, every Church of Christ person I've talked to. Let's focus on Jesus. And the other things can kind of be worked through. Amen? We've got, to learn. We've got to learn to love each other and care about each other. But these experts, oh my goodness. And the reason that they missed Jesus and the reason they were indifferent is because they were unbelievably arrogant. How is it that the east side 6A1 football for 21 years has been between Union and Jinx in the championship? Because there's an utter arrogance on the west side. Norman North had the team to beat Union, perhaps. I mean, they, gave, they put up 43 points. But you do not give the football to Union on the 45-yard line with an onside kick every play. Every time you kick off onside kick, give it to Union on the 45-yard line. Really? Three plays later, they score. Well, I don't know how that happened. You idiot. Kick it out of the end zone. I don't have a kicker. Throw it out of the end zone. Pick it up and run it out of here. I don't care. But change something. But no, that's arrogance. I'm going to do my way. Okay? Do it your way. And that's what's wrong with Christians today. You're still doing it your way because you changed when Jesus called you, but now you've gone back to doing it your way, and guess what? You don't like church anymore. Hypocrites. You're right. It is full of hypocrites. And I'm one of them. And you're one of them. And that's why we keep coming to church because we're calling out for a Savior who's going to save hypocrites. Amen. 
Woo, I need him. Don't you? And I need him every Sunday. I don't need him one Sunday. I need him every Sunday. Quit hiding from it. Quit being arrogant about it. And then there's the last group of people. They're not, they're not mentioned in the Bible, but I know they're there. I know they're there. These are the people called procrastinators. Oh, they saw the star. They heard the baby. Heard of the baby. They knew that something strange and wonderful was happening. They wanted to check it out, but, but they just never got around to it. I'll do it one of these days. I'll get there. <laughs> they had the opportunity of a lifetime. The Savior of the world had come. They could grasp Him in their hands, but they put off going to the manger to see the baby Jesus. There are procrastinators in every generation. They fail to act. There's no hurry. There's always tomorrow. Give my heart to Jesus. I'll see Dad when the holidays are over. I'll write that thank you note when things slow down. Next Sunday, I'll give my heart to Jesus. The legend recounts a company of demons before Satan's throne. Satan barks in a loud voice, who will go to earth and convince people not to give their lives to Jesus? One said, I'll go there, and I'll tell them there's no heaven. Satan said, the conviction of better life is too deep-seated in their hearts. Another said, I'll go and tell them there's no hell. Ah, man's conscience will witness against that mockery. And then this dark spirit glided forward, and he said, Satan, I'll go. And so what are you going to tell them? He said, I'm going to tell them that you've got plenty of time to trust in Jesus. Tomorrow will be soon enough to give your heart to the Savior. There's absolutely no hurry. And according to legend, that was the demon that Satan sent and is still here. I can put it off. I can still live in sin, and God's going to be okay. What happened to holiness? What happened to righteousness? What happened to doing the things the way the Bible teaches to do them? Did we just throw that out sometimes? Did that stop being a part of our lives as Bible-believing Christians? Chip and Joanna Gaines of Waco, HGTV, Fixer Upper, are under total attack from the left, from the liberals, because they go to a church that says, we believe the Bible, and when the Bible says that homosexuality is a sin, we believe that. Do you go to a church like that? Hello? Yes, you do. Do you have a preacher that preaches that? Yes, you do. Do I also say that God loves every sinner? And He's ready to save anybody who's ready to turn to Him in full, complete surrender? I sure do. And their preacher does too. But the liberals have gone absolute bananas. And here's the, here's the line that caught me in the article. It said, <clears throat> The nation is in an uproar. I haven't seen it, but anyway, the nation is in an uproar over the fact that Christians actually believe what they read. But then I begin to look at the Christians that I know in the churches who are having one foot on the side of Satan and one foot on the side of heaven and straddling the fence. What did Jesus have to say about fence straddlers? 
Not a good, not a good place to be. Don't catch yourself there. Plenty of time to come to Christ. Tomorrow, oh, that's soon enough. Now, one of these days, I'll get around to it. Oh, you know, preacher, I'm I'm waiting for get my life cleaned up a little bit better. Oh, preacher, you know, I, I've had these problems, and I just can't get rid of all of them. Well, you're, the, you're a great candidate for who Jesus wants. He wants you right now. You see, the real issue is you don't want to be obedient, and you don't want to surrender. Because surrender and be obedient means that you've got to live outside yourself and give that to somebody else. But Lord, no, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm in charge of myself. I'm in charge of everything. Ain't nobody going to mess with me. I'm going to knock you out. Or you come over here try to talk to me. I'm going to knock you down or slap you down or drag you behind my car. Mm-mm-mm. Pull my gun and shoot you in the head right now. I am large and in charge. Guess what? The Bible says that when Jesus comes back, every knee will and every tongue will that Jesus is your gun ain't going to do much good then. Your sassy attitude is going to do zero then. Your tough veneer. Brad coaches up Booker T. Washington. Boy, how much does he see that every day? Brian coaches in jinx. How much does he see that every day? I preach at River Oaks Church. How much do I see that every day? So, let me ask you who you identify with. Do you identify with Joseph and Mary? It's easier or convenient, but they made time for Jesus. Are you like the innkeeper? Do you have time for Jesus because you're too busy? Maybe you're like Herod. You don't have time for Jesus because you're self-absorbed in your own agenda. Or perhaps you're like the religious leader, familiar with the story of Jesus, but your heart's covered with calluses and you haven't heard it in a long time. You haven't been touched by the awe of Christmas, by the wonder of Christmas, by the magic of Christmas. You, 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 you haven't gotten so fired up about it in so long. You just don't know what it's all about because you're so hung up on this, that, and the other. And, you, and you're just saying, oh, why bother? Does the Maybe you're in that procrastinator group. Does that resonate with you? That, that you need to realize that there's peril. You are on the very precipice of falling off into the pits of hell and you will never, ever be recovered. Ever! Gone forever! I want to die like my sister Geneva died who said, who do you want me to tell you hello to on the other side? Who was crying out, help me! Help me! Help me! At the very end of her life. And I kept, you know, the family would rush to her side and they'd say, what is it? She'd say, I'm fine. What's going on? I'm fine. You know what I think it was? She saw a glimpse of heaven and she wanted to go. She wanted to go. Oh, she wanted to go. Do we want to go that bad? Do we want to go? Do we want to go? Do we want to go? Ah, there'll be another day I can get around. So what if Brian had told the, told the people out in Baltimore, well, you know, I know this thing may work, and hey, I know, but, you know, I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of getting attached to some of this cancer. I think I want to hang on to it, you know. He's already made one trip. He took care of a nodule on his, on his thyroid. He ready to make another trip. Why? Because he wasn't gone, completely gone. How selfish of him, you know. Put it off another day. Come on, Brian. 
Are you with me yet? Have you caught up yet to what I'm trying to say about missing Christmas? Wake up, church. Time is running out. A revival needs to break out, but it can't move until God's people move. It won't move until you move. Until you bust the crust off. Until you open your eyes. Till you make some changes. So if God made time for us, can't we make time for Him during this Christmas season? I mean, let's get ready. Let's make time for Jesus. And let's start right now. I mean, Christmas is coming, and it's going to come whether we're ready or not. Jesus is going to come whether we're ready or not. And while there is still time, get ready. If you haven't named you as your Savior, Quit putting it off. Talking to little Isaac last week. I love, I love, I love talking to him. He's such a fun little guy. You never know what's going to come out of his mouth. First of all, and sometimes that's fun. Sometimes that's not so much fun. But we were talking about this lighting upgrade, and he said, "What are you upgrading?" I said, "Well, we need to upgrade you." He said, what do you mean you need to upgrade me? I said, brother, I need to get you into the Lord. Well, what's that mean? I said, you know exactly what that means. You need to accept Jesus as your Savior. You need to baptize him in Christ. You need to make changes in what you think and how you think and how you've done wrong in the things in life. If you're fixing to be 13 and you're 13 and you become so smart, stupid, you don't have any answers to things. I said, you'll make some crazy decisions and when you're trying to make decisions, the kids go, okay. And they'll leave you, and if you get in trouble, and you'll be in jail, and they'll be laughing at you. Amen. Give you an upgrade. I want you an upgrade. You ready to go? I want to sit back and talk. Just kind of stand there for a while. Just kind of stand there. what we're for right here in this church building. I got to wake up different. God, I've changed my life. I'm fixing to die. This Christmas is what's happening. This Christmas is sleeping and sitting and, and hoping and waiting and thinking. Come on. People need to wake up. They showed over the last month and a half that when needs are there, they'll step up and do it. God, they need to do it every day, every time, every week. Come hungry. Come hungry. Get up and say, man, I can't wait to get to church today. Tell their friends I'm going to my church. And they're going to find out what in the world is that kind of church. You come and find Jesus. Come on. Come on. Guess what, guys? We're all over here. Sing, got a great.